Welcome to Indisputable. I am Sharon Reed filling in for the great Dr. Rashad Ritchie today. And none of, I have to bring my A game, okay? I have to bring my A game for her. Former Senator Nina Turner, great state of Ohio, fellow professor, race, power, political economy, the fellow institute at race, power, political economy. See how it get flustered as soon as you <laughs> pop up? Because I think a highly of you, and I want to do right by you, Senator. Um, so we're going to launch right into it. But you tell people, um, as we're so close to this election, um, why the work you're doing is so important. Because you can't separate that, okay? You can't separate the kind of work that is necessary with what will become the result in uh, well this year. Yes, Sharon, and I highly regard you as well. That's a lot of words. You know, I'm a senior fellow at the a Institute lot. on Race, Power, and Political Economy at the New School. That's a whole lot of stuff. But that part of my life, that work is important because at the Institute, we seek to come up with ideas that really can animate public policy, Thank not you. just to be academic for the sake of being academic, but what are the types of policy recommendations we can give the policymakers that they can make real? One example of that is the baby bonds. The mm. director of the Institute, the founder of this Institute, Dr. Derek Hamilton, is a stratification economist, one of the best in all of the world. And the idea of baby bonds that every child that is born here in this I country get a certain amount of money that grows as they grow. Beautiful thing to try to level the playing field. And you may remember, Sharon, and some of our viewers may remember when that was a hot, hot topic. It was being pushed in Congress by Senator Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. That idea came from Dr. Derek Hamilton and some other academics. So that's just one example of the type of work that we do at the Institute. Well, uh, Dr. Derek Hamilton, you said. Yeah. I don't know if he's single, but I'm already in love. It doesn't. I don't care what he looks like <laughs> or anything. He's speaking to me. He's speaking my language. I hope I'm no disrespect if there is a missus or a partner. Uh, but I love it, and that's a perfect idea um, because we got to fix a lot of things, including the justice system. Um, yeah. And there's all kind of offshoots of that. We all saw the viral video, made the rounds. I mean, he had incredible hops, didn't he? And the judge is okay, but. The fact that he got to her is another matter. So let's give you an update now on the man who attacked judge to, um, well, he's not gonna appear in court. He's made that quite clear. Um, Well, here's the first incident to remind you as if you need it. Here he is again. Rather than just I appreciate that, but I think it's time that he gets a taste of something else because I just can't with that history. In accordance with the laws of state of Nevada, this court. Okay, so it didn't take long. And do you see what I mean about the hops? It's like he had a springboard. If he weren't up to alleged, you know, he's priors, but I say alleged because I don't know his full history. Criminality is, has been accused. The scouts would have found him. I'm telling you, he, incredible athlete here, using it for harm, force, 
But this video um, inspiring already, you all don't wait very long, do you? Come up with these parodies. Um, I do want you to see this one, very creative as we said. I appreciate that, but I think it's time we got a taste of something else. I just can't with its history. And according to the law of the state of Nevada, this Now what, now see that there? He's not even had a second appearance in court. I think it should be video arraignment, frankly, after the first incident. But you all are already at it. You saw the prominent belly displayed on the bailiff in the parody video, holding a baby at one point, mocking how this alleged perp got to the judge. Okay, well, sentencing, so he's the perp, but you see this? And look at that move. Okay, I don't know if that's how the original went, but look at that. Went on and on and on. Now that's just like the first one, Senator. Quickly, a thought from you, and then I'll give the update on the actual accused. Um, we going to hell, Sharon. That's all. We're going straight. Don't take a left turn or nothing. Just going straight. Don't down. pass go. No. Don't collect two hundred dollars. Just go straight to hell. That parody is off the chain. So let me just start with that. And you're right, it don't take long. Whoever did, they go into hell, we go into hell too. Yeah, okay. So, in some good company. Uh, that being said, you know, definitely a serious, serious issue. The judge got hurt. Some of the bailiffs got hurt. One bailiff, I think, had to get 20 something stitches. Uh, it was that was that was uh, really some Ooh. super stress. So that's Mr. Redding. 30 years old, as you said, um, according to reports, he's already a, a felon and he was in there trying to ask for mercy. He said he was a changed man. Control. I mean, that brother Red, that was the wrong time to jump the, the yeah. judge's bitch. When I mean, you're asking the judge changed. for mercy, she didn't even get everything out. Mm -hmm. right? He just kind of knew where this was going. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. He just dive bombed over there. I mean, that is, as you said, Shane, that was a lot of mm -hmm. acrobatics. And unfortunately, he used that, that talent he has yes. for wrong. He could have been using that for or doing right. So while you're asking the judge for mercy, you're mm -hmm. there because you don't have in post control and you very show yeah. you play it out in real time that what you're mm -hmm. asking for, you're really not deserving of. And normally I'd say, you know, what do they usually tell the lawyer from the control your client? Right. Back. Didn't have said, time. I'm not a fit in the, uh uh. He said, please, you know. So we'll give you the update though, Senator. According to 8 News Now, the man who attacked the Las Vegas judge as she was sentencing him Wednesday told corrections officers he had a bad day and tried to kill her. Okay. Deobra Redden, three time felon, was in Clark County District Court, Judge Mary K. Holtus courtroom for sentencing on a charge of attempted battery with substantial bodily harm. So we know he's, he is capable, he's very athletic and um, well. Uh, we'll give you more after the attack in a holding cell near the courtroom. Redden reportedly told an officer, judge has it out for me, judge is evil. I'm sorry you guys had to see that, document said. Other officer said Redden asked him if what he did was wrong. 
asking the question. While at CCDC, Redden allegedly spit in a corrections officer's face, police said. Again, 8 News Now with the details. Chief Judge Jerry Weiss said Holthus returned to work Thursday. Also on Thursday, Redden refused to show up for his initial appearance in the same building where the attack happened the day before. Now, I need to pause there. Who thought that was a good idea? Instead of putting him on FaceTime or something, does he really have to appear again? Come on now. That's what they wanted. He was scheduled to return to court on January 9th. Holthus was scheduled to continue the sentencing hearing on her case Monday, January 8th. The case is unrelated to the new charges related to the January 3rd incident. So he's got a full plate here. Redden faced new charges as of Thursday, coercion with force or threat of force, extortion, intimidate public officers, others with the use of force, disregard the safety of personal property, battery by prisoner, probationer or parolee, unlawful act to excrete fluid by a prisoner in a confined area, battery on a protected person. So they may add more. I'll quickly, I'll give you the last word. He sounds like, he summed it up as a bad day, Senator. It sounds like more is going on here, the frustration. And I'm not trying to make any excuse for what Mr. Redden did. He's got to pay the price, so to speak, for his actions. You just can't go beating up people. You're already on a battery charge. But no, I'll you give you the last word because there are some online who are saying, look, he's frustrated. They maybe didn't like what he did and wouldn't do it themselves. But a black man can't get a fair hearing is, is what I'm seeing and reading online. Is that part of this or no place? I mean, let's deal. We we got to deal with that, but we also got to deal with Mr. Redden's actions. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have dive bombed over there. You know, he was wrong, and somebody could have got seriously hurt. I mean, you got one person that was trying to keep him off the judge and yeah. got twenty something stitches. Got a whole, oh, I almost said something. Got a whole gash yeah. in their head. You you know that's not fair. And if it's true that he tried to spit on somebody, he spit on somebody. Now I don't yeah. know in the hood. Yeah. Okay, that means you want fight. Mm-hmm. You fix yeah. your mouth to spit on me. Oh, you better yeah. well expect what's about to come next. Now, Mr. Yeah. Redden don't have the right to do all of that. So I think, Sharon, all of these things can be true at the same time. He was frustrated, yeah. was having a bad day. You having a bad day don't give you the right to put your hands on somebody. I mean, I have bad days, Sharon. You have bad days. A whole bunch mm-hmm. of people walking around got bad days. Imagine if everybody that was having a bad day decided to yeah. revolt, resort to violence. Now, no, brother, you can't do that. Now, there's also some in some of the, the reading uh, the reports rather that he has some mental challenges yeah. And, yeah. and and maybe he does he does need work on impulse control so he has to answer to the consequences of his actions in court that day and at the same time we d- need to deal with a legal system that is totally yeah. patently unfair to black people as a whole and especially black men i would never say that that was not the truth that does not justify mr yeah. redden's behavior but I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in this this case and others, it's triggering for some to see you know, a white woman. I don't know her record, so I'm not making you know anything on Judge Holtus. But it's triggering to see her. She cut him off, okay, and maybe she knew because she knew his record and had sat in judgment for the case. But there, that's what's triggering to some who say, "See that? It was already decided." Um, so, but we wish her the best, the gashes. I was thinking to myself overnight, who? I don't know his family situation, but only his mama could perhaps reach him at this point. Okay, he's saying to the correction officers, I don't know what, did I do something wrong? 
Well, you did, son, you did. It was very wrong. And so maybe if, if it's mama, grandmama, somebody can um, just eyeball them, lay eyes on them, and maybe that'll bring the temperature on down. Polls for one side or the other. In this case, a new poll is out. President Biden losing black voters. Third parties are picking up where he's divested, if you will. Bruce C.T. Wright of News One writing that the partisan battle for black voters support may not be as cut and dry this year compared to the buildup to presidential elections in recent memory. Instead of the traditional support from black voters going to Democrats and the nominee, the unusually high number of third party candidates this year could flip that status quo on its head. Spelled doom for President Joe Biden, a major pollster said. And when you look at the array of candidates here and what's attractive to people, this is a real possibility. It's happening. It's happening, folks. Better wake up or coalesce. Put your energy behind who you feel is the best for you, your own personal platform, as well as that for the country. Um, here's why 20% of black voters, Biden's most loyal base, expect to cast their ballots on election day for neither the incumbent nor Donald Trump. The presumptive Democratic and Republican presidential nominees, respectively, according to a new poll. The findings in the USA Today Suffolk University poll are the latest evidence that fewer black voters, fewer black voters, plan on supporting Biden's reelection efforts, giving a slight edge to Trump. In the general election, News One. To be precise, the poll found that nearly 25% fewer black voters plan to support Biden this year than they did in 2020. Wow. On the flip side, Trump has managed to maintain the 12% support among black voters that he got in 2020, which the polling suggests could prove to be the difference in November. Although Trump hasn't grown support among black voters, he's Close the deficit behind third party voters come off of <clears throat> Biden's support among blacks. David Pilogus, director of Suffolk Political Research Center said about the new poll, a young voter or a person of color voting third party is a vote away from President Joe Biden. And a vote away from President Biden is a vote for Donald Trump. It's just that simple. While fewer young people are expected to vote this year compared to past presidential elections, the decline is most pronounced amongst black voters, according to a poll released last month. At the same time, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the top polling third party candidate, is reportedly enjoying support among black voters in battleground states at an unprecedented level. MSNBC reported 28% of black voters in battleground states, 28% plan to vote for Kennedy. While 50% of those same voters support Biden, 13% are expected to vote for Trump, according to recent polling. Now, that's likely at least partially because black voters in swing states, including some that helped secure Biden's victory in 2020, have been supporting Trump at levels previously unseen by a Republican candidate. Previous poll found of those states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. The likely suspects, just one of them, just one of those six states shows Biden beating Trump by a slim margin. On a more granular, granular level, there are more black voters from those states, 22% of them supporting 
a Republican presidential candidate than ever previously recorded. This is from the New York Times and what they are reporting as well. A polling is far from definitive, it can indicate trends like black voters unprecedented support for a third party candidate this year. This is a pretty unique historical moment when more than 60% of the population says they are open to voting for a third party or independent candidate. Tony Lyons, Kennedy's book publisher and the co-founder of a super PAC for the candidate telling NBC News. Washington Monthly reported that professional pollsters say polling of third party candidates cannot accurately assess a minor candidate's support, let alone their durability. So you better pay attention to that. The pollsters may be underestimating is what I'm hearing, okay? Nobody knows, nobody knows. Beyond black voters, an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist National Poll released in October found Trump would likely emerge victorious in November when factoring in Kennedy's independent candidacy and the 16% of support he was predicted to get. Without Kennedy's candidacy, the poll shows Biden would beat Trump. Biden's pro-Israel policies amid the escalating conflict in Gaza have been another touchstone for young black voters in particular who have demanded more from the presidential administration when it comes to protecting the Palestinian people. Third party presidential candidates Jill Stein, Ornell West have been adamant in their condemnation of the Biden administration's aid for Israel. The stances that according to polling could resonate with those same young black voters and result in their support on election day, which could similarly bode well for Donald Trump. Nevertheless, VP Kamala Harris has been out galvanizing young voters, especially black ones on behalf of the Biden administration and the Democratic political machine has been working overtime to shore up support among all black voters. Here's the response from the DNC. I want you to pay attention to this. DNC hasn't let up on engaging and mobilizing black voters. Democratic National Committee Chair Jamie Harrison told The Guardian recently, this isn't something I take lightly. I know what it feels like to have our community taken for granted and only have folks show up for us when they need our vote on election day. Senator, no disrespect to the DNC chair, Mr. Harrison, who I like. It, it appears that the Democratic Party doesn't know how to engage black voters, particularly I think black men, you're not engaging them. I've had meetings with people who say you're, you're talking at them, you're not listening to them. There's so much that we can unpack from this article. So I will start with Chairman Harrison, Sharon, since you ended there. And I know him too, like him, but give me a break on this. The Democratic Party has taken for years, even before Jamie Harrison became the chair of the DNC, has a pattern of taking the black vote for granted. Now they're about to get what grandma used to say, which is I can show you better than I can tell you. Now we've been telling you election cycle after election cycle after election cycle that you're not doing right by us. Now we're about to show you as that article has illustrated that black voters, either they're going to vote for Trump or they just not going to show up and that young voters are particularly are over it. What is happening in the Middle East is certainly animating our community as most issues that have to do with justice or injustice 
animates the black community, particularly in a deeper seated way than most because of our history in this country. And younger voters get that is what is happening and the way that the United States of America, this president, this administration is handling the slaughter at this point. At this point, 30,000 people killed. Almost 60,000 people just maimed, just, just hurt. Over 60% of the Gaza Strip destroyed. At this point, this is not about self-defense for Israel. And the United States of America is aiding and abetting the slaughter of innocent people. That ain't lost on young people from all walks of life. A lot of the polling will show, but especially for black people, Sharon. when you couple that with the fact that the Democratic Party has done jack nothing, fill it in, S-H-I-T, for the black community that is materially substantive, you're getting what you're getting. And the fact that Trump is holding that his 12%, let us not forget that in 2016, he enjoyed 8% of the black vote. If we go back even further, when Romney was running the election cycle before, Romney gained 6%, Trump gained 8%. And now the prediction is that Trump in this 2024 election cycle is going up 12% while President Biden is losing support. And the nail in it, the nail on the coffin here is in that same article, 60% of the population, like the larger population, Sharon Reed, the larger population, not just black people, said they opened the third parties. So don't blame Dr. Cornell West. Don't blame RFK Jr. Don't blame Jill Stein or Dr. Jill Stein. Look in the mirror, mm-hmm. Democratic Party. This is on you. And it black is- folks are finally it- showing we tired of carrying this party on our back. You haven't done anything for us. And we just either not going to come out the vote or we're going to vote for mm-hmm. some other folks. Now, and, and Chairman, I am highly offended by the poster who said what most uh, uh, liberal, white liberal folks believe that the black community owes the Democratic Party something and that if they <laughs> vote for a third party candidate. I apologize. That I, you, is got a, me, you got me You got me bent. Up. You got me bent on that, right? Mm. That, that, that we're supposed to be all about choice. But when voters start making different choices, now all of a sudden, black and Sharon, they solely putting this on the black community that if they vote for a third party candidate, that somehow that's a vote for Donald Trump. Oh, no, 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 sir. No, ma'am. If people decide, including black people decide to vote for a third party candidate, they vote for that third party candidate. And if Democrats don't like it, then do better. And then my last point, Sharon, you're absolutely right about black men. The Democratic Party has spent election cycle after election cycle elevating black women at the expense of black men. Now, Sharon, I'm not mad. You know, elevate black women. Don't get me wrong. But don't do it at the expense of black men. The Democratic Party has acted as though black men don't exist. And now all of a sudden you really, 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 really need them. And they really don't vote much different from black women. Not really. Over 90 percent of the vote, almost damn near 100 percent of the vote that of that black people cast go to Democrats. So I want to put that in the parking lot. Yeah. The Democratic Party has continued to emasculate black men, pretend that like they don't aren't. exist. This and that is why they're losing black men because black men don't see themselves in this party. Symbols on a side, and what I mean, symbols black elected Jamie Harrison is a black that don't matter. You are not Malik. answering to the call and to the needs of black men, and they just say, saying, We out. Wow, I don't want you to show up in my church, 
<laughs> don't come to my community center. That's it. I don't want to see you at the grocery store if there is one, perhaps in certain neighborhoods. You're disrespectful. You're not honest. You're ungrateful. And just like your grandmother, my grandmother, a lot of grandmothers said, you're right. I've got to hold you accountable. I can show you better than I tell you. And if MAGA and soccer moms have a right, hey, there are fellow Americans, one person, one vote. They're allowed to think what they want to think. Respect them. Respect the black vote. If someone chooses Kennedy, oh. Dr. Stein, why, why would they be accused of tanking? Tanking what? Tanking what? If you do me dirty time and time again, you can't pass things that make my life not just better, possible. Hey, I want to breathe, live, work, dream. You can't even get that done, huh? I don't care how many black people you employ in, as the senator said, this symbolic way. It's time to hold you accountable. And if democracy is at stake, I am democracy over here. And you need me. To get it done, well, then you better be a little more creative, okay? This little door knocking in church and this dialect that changes, okay? It's not gonna work for much longer, okay? Just like everybody else, Senator. Give you the last word. Can't we? No, vote for who sure, we just like everybody else. For? I'm gonna get the camera crew. They see me in here jumping out my seat. They're <laughs> gonna put the camera on the sister well, yeah. while I'm back here saying yeah. hallelujah, amen. Sure, that is exactly right. Act like it, treat <laughs> me. Like you need me instead of deploying the vice president and 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 coming. Yeah, don't come up on up in this black church. Don't do it because you ain't been here all this time. You know, Sharon, this is worse than the mistress. Yeah. The black community being treated like side chicks. See, at least the mistress get jury every now and then. They get a, a call every now and then. They get wooed every now and then. But then, oh, doggone it. I'm sorry, family show. When you are the side piece, yeah. you get nothing. And the black community, they just tired of it. They over it. Absolutely. <laughs> and your point about every other demographic, it's okay for them Thank to make you. different choices. Democratic Party don't say nair word. But when Not it comes to black people, you want to put the entire, the, hanging in the balance, the entire Biden-Harris administration's reelection <laughs> is on the backs of black people. No, we ain't going for it this time. God, you got to run. Mm. I just... I would probably lose access to you. Well, not you. You're a real one. You, you would never, Sharon Reed, I, never lose access to me. I love you. Well, I'd I have to you. give up this and every. I would have to be with you in an administration because Absolutely. I believe in you. I didn't take a vitamin today, <laughs> Senator Turner, and I don't need Press one secretary. Okay. Oh, I would love <laughs> I can it. see you. <laughs> Asked and answered. And then I'm posing the questions to them. Come so on. I'd have to get perhaps a little on the job training. I'm representing your brand. Okay, I love you. Now we you already had fine. church up in here, and I don't think you want to miss one second. This, they wouldn't be ready for you, Sharon, nope but that's is, what you would do. They wouldn't mm-mm. be ready. No, they wouldn't, but they better get ready. Okay, it's what you said. It's happening.
stop. Just stop. Just stop. The store is, the store needs to be restocked and it's a mess, okay? One woman, just one. Incident happened in November of last year. This is in Columbia, Missouri. LaShonda Angeline Johnson charged with first degree property damage, misdemeanor stealing, first degree trespassing, misdemeanor. It's unclear right now whether or not Johnson suffers from mental health issues. An employee at the store allegedly telling police that Johnson entered the store at 7.43 a.m. He told her to leave. Probable cause statement says Johnson was trespassed from the business in June and was told, don't come back here, not to return. The employee then said Johnson then went behind the counter and stole two packs of cigarettes before breaking multiple items, according to the statement. ABC 17 with the details. Here's the probable cause statement. Um, what it further states. Well, we'll list it for you. $1,500 in damage to a cash register, $3,000 worth of liquor broken, damage to drink machines valued at $20,000, caused $2,000 of damage to general merchandise. She pulled out the slushy machine, which, you know, I can stay pretty cool. But in the Georgia heat in the summers, don't do that. She did. She did it all. Witnesses followed Johnson to her address while taking, talking rather to another Columbia police officer on their cell phone. The statement says she was arrested at her residence. Johnson allegedly told police that she didn't want to talk, but made spontaneous utterances, claiming she was at the gas station and was upset, the statement says. She allegedly told police she tore up the store because she thought the employee was taking photos of her and harassing her. Again, that's according to a statement. Another look at the damage. It's uh, <laughs> we don't even know how it started. Okay, when the video started rolling, we already saw Senator that uh, one man wrecking crew. Okay, I haven't seen that kind of damage since. I mean, I grew up in Pennsylvania and traveled through rural parts of the state. When a deer, you catch a buck, they'll sometimes run into a store and tear it up. You would have thought. Okay, but this was her, and then she unbothered like proceeded to her vehicle. What what can we even glean from this? I mean, one woman wrecking crew. I, I yeah. yeah. Why? Wow. Uh, Miss Johnson, that's her last name. Why? Yeah. Hmm? You haven't listen, folks, you having a bad day. Stay home. That part. Don't don't bring your bad day to everybody else. I mean, especially if you're having a bad day to the magnitude that you can't control your actions. If your actions impact somebody else physically and or their property, then baby, please stay home. Mm -hmm. And you're right, Sharon, we don't know. I mean, maybe mental health, maybe not. Cause you know, sometimes I'm tired. We always blaming everything on mental right. health. Everything. He said he was taking pictures. 
Yeah. And shit like that. Well, right. then call the police. Obviously, the report says that she was told not to come back in the store. Then, baby boo, why are you back in the store? Mm. Don't just go to another store. But really, uh, very unfortunate what uh, Ms. Johnson did to that those people's store. And folks, that stuff costs money. You yeah. know, down there, insurance premiums going to go up and stuff. See, sometimes that kind of property, happens, people just shake it off. No, all the time, you just can't shake that kind of stuff off because mm-hmm. somebody's paying for this. Yeah. And, and nobody what? has a right to tear up somebody else's property. No. And that's the part. That's that's when you get labeled a Karen. And I think you're right about mental health too. Stop, stop just putting everything there because mental health encompasses a lot of things that a lot of people are navigating. Just like diabetes. Is it so stop with all that? She said he was taking pictures and that made her very angry. But you heard people, and I don't know if our folks at home heard it or you did, Senator, saying, you know, you're ruining our store. Now where are we gonna go? And that's real too. That's exactly and sometimes right. people don't feel like with their insurance increasing and stuff, maybe they just won't come back. They got a high lease anyway, and I'm sick of this. Yeah. So I hope she gets the impulse control, emotional quotient, whatever it is. Or perhaps if there's something else going on, that's addressed too. But um, the slushy machine, y'all, come on, Miss Johnson. I'm gonna leave it alone for now. But she ain't have to do that. I think she got two of them too. Two. More now. I don't know why it always has to be a debate with women. Okay, can't you be just smart? Is it? Can't you just be smart? I'm asking her. Lena Haba says she'd rather be pretty than smart. Now, I'm not going to pick one. Okay, but she is. Um. Well, just watch and listen to, and watch her body language too. Go ahead. You know, say what you will about Trump, alpha man. Right. You know, you, you you would suspect he picks an alpha guy, but he picks yeah. a feminine, smart, capable woman. Right. How much of you being an attractive, smart woman do you think played into a role in this? To him or in the public? Because I can tell you it's been a double-edged sword. Yeah, both. It's been something I have had to deal with in the positive and in the negative. I don't think I would be on TV or sitting here if I didn't look the way I look. I think I caught attention. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very honest about that, and, and I don't mind. I'm, an, I'm not a feminist, mm-hmm. okay? I believe in strong women, but I'm, I want my door opened. I, I am very much an old school, my parents are Middle Eastern, old school woman. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I'm at home, I cook, I, I have a husband, I respect, I know how to turn it off. But do I not think that if... Um, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you something. Somebody said to me, Alina, would you rather be, um, would you rather be smart or pretty? And I said, oh, easy, pretty. I can fake being smart. <laughs> but, I meet them all the time, Alina. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the honest truth. And it's going to make me, yeah. you know, I'm sure there'll be some so, Washington Post article about it tomorrow. Daily Beast, my favorite. But uh-uh. listen, like, you have to be honest. It doesn't hurt to be good looking in this world, in the PR world, on TV. It doesn't hurt. Mm. And when you're good looking, that's great. But it can also mean people think you're stupid or people think that President Trump hired me because I was good looking. That is absolutely not the case. Miss Haba, please. First of all, what is good looking? Who's to say? It's subjective. And I just want to point out before we move on that the man didn't ask her the question. She posed the question. She brought up, would I rather be pretty or smart? She's brought it up and called herself, you know, 
gorgeous over and over again is the implication. I'm one of a kind beauty if I'm, I'm reaching certain, well, I don't know if I want to use the word heights. But anyway, uh, predictably, Drew ridicule on social media, Haba did. Legally bland, replied Anthony Lowe Presti. Sound legal strategy, strategy rather, from Trump, replied Patriot Takes. Clay Moser had advice. She should start at least faking she's smart. When they were asking when she was going to start that part. Yeah, fake. She said she could fake smart. It's easier. And so people online are asking, when, let us know when you start doing that. Chris Herps paraphrase, basically, I'm not a good lawyer, but I play one on TV. Okay, raw story collecting some of the comments there. Meanwhile, primary opponent, they got to get it together. Here's that primary opponent. Think you know her name. Maybe not enough of you do. Meanwhile, primary opponent of Trump, Nikki Haley, also prompted ridicule online for saying this. <laughs> and this, of course, is referring back to New Hampshire. You were asked to explain the cause of the Civil War. You obviously uh, did not mention slavery. And afterwards, you came up, you said that was a mistake. In fact, you said it should have been the first thing that you said. So you did come out and say that. Chris Christie, though, came out and said that you gave that answer not because in his, uh, you're, in his words, dumb or racist, but because you're, quote, unwilling to offend anyone by telling truth. What do you say to that? No one's ever said that I am unwilling to offend. I offend plenty of people because I call people out when they do something wrong. Um, what I will tell you is Chris Christie is from New Jersey. I should have said slavery right off the bat. But if you grow up in South Carolina, Literally, in second and third grade, you learn about slavery. You grow up and you have, you know, I had black friends growing up. It is a very talked about thing. I, I don't know why you're bringing up black people, <sighs> Miss Haley. I don't know why you're, I, I sound like another dog whistle. In the South, this is how we talk. You gotta be careful, states' rights. What, are, what on earth is wrong with you? What on earth is wrong with you? And I would like for her black friends, I want to meet them. They don't have to step out publicly, but I really want to meet them. What are you talking about? Why'd you throw that in there? Um, reaction to Haley's comments include Hobby Brown saying we need an I don't see color. We got bingo. I don't see color. I don't see color. It's just so irritating, very triggering. OMG. She actually said the line, Jay-Z says, not Beyonce's man, this is just Jay-Z. And I agree with it. She delivered the line, Senator, um, as if she had just rehearsed it with her, her team of PR people who are also tone deaf. I can tell you they're tone deaf. I, I can't be on the inside there, but if I were, that's not what she would have said. That's not what she would have said. It's just outrageous. Um, and let's remind folks if we can before I turn it over to the Senator. Um, one of these people, is the former governor of South Carolina who was forced to take down the flag finally after innocent black people in church were gunned down. Okay, The other is on the legal team of a former president of the United States. Only the best people, okay, we only the best people have to be on the inside, folks. I want to remind you of that. That's why many don't agree with affirmative action because you, you want the best people by your side in these high quality, visible jobs, the best people. I hope we don't have to flash up a satire, satire, uh, Senator. I, both of these people, I need them to sit down and do not speak. Don't speak for a good while, okay? Because they're triggering me 
a black woman. Yep, I'm in the trigger club too, Sharon. Yeah. I don't know where the hell mm-hmm. to start with this. Let's start with Alina. Is that her name? Haba. Alina Haba. Haba. Uh, I'd rather be. So first of all, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Thank you. Some people may, you know, I ain't even going to go there. Let me just say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But let me just quote the great Judge Judy, who, by the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm upset with because she didn't bring my, you know, my guy back to her new show. But anyway, that's neither yeah, here nor Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lo- a bird. I'm holding a little grudge on anyway, it I'm yeah. digressing, Sharon. Judge Judy has a quote, beauty fades, but dumb is forever. Okay, Ooh. that's just it right here. <laughs> Alina, beauty <laughs> fades, but dumb baby is forever. So I'm just put that right there. Let, let our TYT family do with it what they will. I mean, that is beauty fades, but dumb is forever. So that's it. Now to get to Governor Nikki Haley, former uh. Governor Nikki Haley... UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. South Carolina was the first state to cede the union over slavery. Many slave ports in South Carolina. Like this woman knows all of this. She just confessed, see, seeing it, they didn't go hard enough on the chick. Mm-hmm. So that, that just means mm-hmm. for me, Sharon, black pain does not matter. Nope. Cause see, now she got an opportunity to come and dress this thing up. After she refused to say that slavery caught was the cause of the Civil War and just her cavalier attitude. And then, for the love of God, please stop talking about your black friends. That's a default for her, for a whole lot of folks. They think that's going to cover them. You got black friends. Obviously, you ain't talking to your black friends. The black friends are never there. Right. I mean, they ain't talking to them. them. I could say anything. She ain't talking to them. Right. You're not. But if she is, they're not honest. And, and and mainstream media is giving this woman a pass That's on this hard. because it's about black people, chattel slave, chattel slavery. So the enslavement of first African and then their descendants that became African Americans or Black Americans, however people, because this whole debate online over that sharing whether we call ourselves Black Americans, uh, African Americans, hell, whatever we call in ourselves these days, our origins is from that continent forced over here to this country. And that woman could not answer that question at a town hall meeting because she and others are trying to whitewash history. She's acting like this is the difference between what we having for dinner and what we having for breakfast or you and I debating the color palette. No, there is no good. There is no uh, the other side because as she went on, we didn't play that part of the clip to say, well, you know, you know, in South Carolina, like half the people thought this and half the people thought that. Damn what half the people thought. Enslavement of black people, of African and then their descendants, was wrong. Chattel slavery, wrong for generation after generation. And you know what, Sharon? This chick didn't even have the courage to take down the Confederate flag. It was a black nah. woman that took the flag down by the yep. name of Bree, Bree Newsom. Didn't want the photo up. Right. Didn't want the photo up to She live. took the flag down yep. and forced this woman mm-hmm. to do. But look at the credit. Look at the low bar. And that's why I prefaced it with those <sighs> praying. They were in a prayer circle. They're in church, okay? When yes. the very hungry Dylan Roof. Dylan Roof, who needed a burger after that. And yeah, got it. Got it. He got it. Okay. So I don't know why you're pointing out the one person who was forced to didn't have she lacks courage. And this is what offends me about her. And I get flack for this, but I'm gonna say it because this is what I believe, Senator. And you can correct me if I'll listen to you. She doesn't care about black people. And I know she doesn't care about black people. 
Because what a dog whistle is, okay, states right, not saying that the actual truth about slavery means you're playing to who? And you could care less about who not, right? You could care less about black people. She knew she could get away with that, didn't even get it proper. But can you imagine if she said this about another marginalized group, another group that's attacked? Come on. I don't know if she would have been able to stay in the race. Might have she been wouldn't over. have been. But again, black oh. pain does not matter. So whether it's coming from somebody like Nikki Haley and and and, and before the, the 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 white liberals on the on the Democratic side start clutching pearls, don't. don't. Because it's not just the GOP, it's just not people like Nikki that Haley part. Hill. It's not just even white people. There are a lot of people who are anti-black, who ride the backs of black people on a regular basis, who think that they're better. Than the black people who fought for the liberty and the type of justice that we see in this country and that is still yet to be realized. But for this woman to fix her mouth to not utter the words slavery was the cause of the Civil War. Plain and simple, capitalism and greed. And during the American Revolution, when this cut, you know, at the founding of this country, as they were fighting against King George, you know, Patrick Henry riding on the horse, give me liberty or give me death, they had a chance to. Start this new nation without the enslavement of Africans and then their descendants. But capitalism wouldn't let them do it, Sharon. They wouldn't do it. So while they're fighting for their liberation, they continue to enslave our ancestors for many, many years. Over 250 years and then uh, took another hundred and so so years for us to even get the voting right, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. So you're Mm -hmm. talking about from 1865 to really 1965 in this country. Yeah. And we still fighting for it for this this day. And still it happened fighting. to black people on this soil. Okay. This soil. And we can't and even get reparations. Now why they sending all kinds of money everywhere else. Go on and give the descendants of enslaved enslaved people. Give them their reparations, baby. Slave owners got reparations, Sharon. Do people want to talk about that? Do they know that this this country, this government paid enslavers reparations for the for the loss of their property? Hello, somebody. Sharon, don't don't even get me started on this. I am triggered like a mug. Me too. And I don't want to hear about mm. when slavery was abolished either, because I'm gonna tell mm. you something. What about those prop shares who were supposed to, well, they're supposed to share in the profits. That's where oh, there's no profit. How come there's never any profits? Because it was still slavery. That's, That's what it. it is. And I'm gonna tell you something. We're gonna get out of here so we can both get a temperature. I don't mind being triggered though. I got all day. Okay. I could do this all day and I don't really care. You got to feel it, feel the burn like a certain segment of the population has. But I'm going to tell you something. She was unbothered by black trauma, pain, slavery, unbothered. She said, well, what would you like me to say about slavery? What about it? She said, what about slavery? Next question. (laughs) You remember that? That was her too. So Nikki, nah, uh uh-uh. She should be here. Another one, this didn't have to happen. I don't want any more slow singing and flower bringing. I want you to solve the problem. One year old of an unhoused mother found dead on a bus bench. This is in America or was it somewhere else? Let's go on. 26-year-old Mantha Van Cleve, mother who became part of Los Angeles's unsheltered population, 
is mourning the loss of her one-year-old daughter, Yara Rutherford, who passed away last month while the family of three was living under an overpass near Los Angeles International Airport. Van Cleve telling reporters the infant would still be alive if the city had more places for her and her two small children to sleep at night. Van Cleve and her children had been on the streets of Westchester for eight months, new to the city, fleeing from a bad relationship. That's commonplace. Van Cleve and her children first lived in their car. The mother cared for the little girl and her two-year-old brother Judah by driving the Uber when she could afford to rent a room in a hotel. They would have housing, but only on those times where she could afford that. Not every day this mother could not do it. Over the past month, the family had transitioned to camping out at LAX and also had spent time at a bus stop near the airport, the location where Yara was found. Baby's family says the baby was just coming into her own personality, growing fast. She'd stand up in the bed. She'd tap me and she'd go, hi, every morning at 4 a.m. I don't have anybody to wake me up now, Van Cleve said, according to NBC Los Angeles. Mom added that the little one was teething the night before. This bereaved mother said she just went to sleep and didn't wake back up. Imagine the suffering. Imagine what this child was going through and her mother. Los Angeles Fire Department spokesperson Brian Humphrey reported receiving the call responding at 9.37 a.m. on December 20th to the area near Sopabeda and Century Boulevards. Caller described trying to perform CPR on young Yara until the LAFD arrived and took over. However, upon their arrival, firefighters pronounced the child deceased. KTLA reports an LAPD detective alleged the baby died due to cardiac arrest. However, Yeber's cause of death is still being investigated with the LA County Medical Examiner looking into the official cause of death. Yeber's mother says the baby may have died from the cold due to their inability to secure shelter or an unknown medical condition. It's possible that her father may have had some type of heart condition. And I wasn't told about it. Very possible that she did freeze to death. It's possible because she was fine the night before. She was fussy, but she had six teeth coming in as well. How does a teething baby go to sleep and just not wake up? Van Cleve said to local station Fox 11. Yeah, I'm triggered again. The mom said she is trained as a pharmacy technician and had hoped to continue in that field in Los Angeles, but because she had no stable housing, you know how many people need pharmacy technicians? Do you know how crucial that position is? Not enough of them. Nothing could be figured out. She had no stable housing, so she could not secure employment. I used to be a pharmacy tech. I have a degree. I've never been on drugs. I take being a mother very seriously, and I know there are things being said about me that are not true. I made sure they, her kids, Ate three times a day, some days I didn't eat. I made sure they ate and they were clean. Van Cleve said that she had tried to be admitted to a program or a shelter, but was denied by several of the city's homeless service programs. Housing and stuff fell through because the 
County building actually promised housing and whatnot because they made it seem like people with children are a priority. But we ended up sleeping in my car when I had my car, Van Cleef said to Fox 11, adding, when my car died, that's when everything went downhill. We ended up outside sleeping at LAX for a good two weeks. During all that rain, we were outside. Mayor Karen Bass, who governs the second largest unhoused population in the country, released a statement. December 27th. After we became aware of this family situation, the mayor's office coordinated with Path, who was working with LAHSA to extend the housing options for this family. And we will now work to identify a longer term solution, including offering resources for them to reunite with family on the East Coast. She also cited the incident tragic called the incident tragic and said this incident is exactly why we need to get people off the street immediately, especially those with children. That's why you need to, you. Bass won her election based on her promise to house about a third of the city's over 75,000 homeless people by the end of 2023, population that has increased by 9% since 2021. However, she was not successful. Van Cleve was providing lodging in a motel. She was given that by Path after the incident, after her one-year-old died, but was scheduled to check out on December 28th. She stayed in the room with her surviving toddler, her godmother, Stella Bethel, Bethel's son. Van Cleve said before the tragedy, she called 211. That's a hotline that works to connect people in LA County with emergency shelters. but. She couldn't get through. Three days before my baby passed away, I remember calling 211 LA Family Housing along with homeless shelters, Volunteers of America, PATH. And they would all say, you're on the wait list, or we just got started on these applications. And they, a different family, applied in 2017. And you applied this year, so it's going to be like a 10-year wait. Can you not even pick up the phone, please? I don't want you to pick up the phone if that's what you're going to tell people. Van Cleve said this, I have a call log to this day of calling around. Nobody had answers for me or anywhere for us to go. The mom said, rightfully believing she was not the only one. The city controller said their audit revealed that during the previous winter, the 211 action number for unhoused people faced an overwhelming influx of over 160,000 calls for shelter. Only half of that number was being answered or even returned by the agency. This incident should be a wake up call for our community that we need crisis and long term housing options for our vulnerable populations, such as families with children, seniors, individuals with disabilities. And other at-risk populations, 211 said. Senator, I like Karen Bass, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm gonna try not to do this. You did get, don't even lead with this in the statement that you got them a place to stay after the one-year-old. You should have had the same urgency while the baby was still alive. And I don't know if the mother brought up a potential long-term injury or or cardiac arrest or a, a pre-existing condition. 
But I've seen this before, and I want the LA medical examiner on notice here. Because it's all one entity, and it would serve the city's interest for this to be declared something other than what it seems to be. Do you understand where I'm going with this? Okay, George Floyd died of acute something. No, he died because he had your knee on his neck. I'm disgusted by this. Where's the, if you know last year you had 160,000 calls in half, which means more than that, didn't get returned or even answered. I, you served, I didn't. I'm gonna give you the floor because I at least need to know that you're running around frantic here and I don't see it. I see you running around doing PR after the fact. Little girl should be here. I said, Sharon, I mean, it's a domino effect here and it was too little, too late. And then even in the reporting, we see that the housing that they did get her, the temporary shelter that they did get her after her daughter died was very limited itself. Resources have to be deployed. They're over, you know, 500,000, like a half a million of people unhoused in this country. It is a crisis. This is when you need state and federal government working to help mayors like Karen Bass. Now, this has been a crisis before she got there. She just got there. It was a crisis before she got there. So I want to cut her a little slack on that. But if this is your number one issue, act like it's your number one issue. I'll be on people's desks, turning over tables in the, on the state house, turning over tables in DC. You want to talk about the federal government has the biggest stick share. And so they should be focused on this. We have a housing, right. an unhoused crisis in America that is very much linked to the economy, very much linked to the fact that the working poor in this country cannot afford housing anymore, very much linked to the fact that we are allowing corporations to just take over and gobble up everything. And so charity starts at home and spreads abroad and not the other way around. So if we got all this money for the wars, to quote the urban poet Tupac, you got money for wars, but you can't feed the poor. Got money for wars, but you can't house the poor. Got money for wars, but you allow a one-year-old baby and her family to die because people have a callous indifference. And I felt the mama when she said people blame me. This ain't no time to be pointing fingers. Obviously, the system is not working and you got people who need help. And this baby and her family is just one of millions of people who are either, you know, unhoused, underhoused, looking for shelter on a regular basis. And they are not bringing our veterans on this. Yeah. And not that their lives are more important in terms of having housing, but we just put that extra point out there that if this country is that callous to allows unhoused to allow unhoused veterans, then what you think about everybody else? Yeah. Too little, too late, and the federal government needs to step up. I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. And that's why I said it. You served, I didn't. That's what I should have said. Federal government, you have resources, okay? And this whole thing, like, I just want to say, I want to wear a t-shirt sometimes. It says, you're so ignorant. She can't get employment, never been on drugs, although, look, that's an illness, okay? And has a degree. They need pharmacy techs, but we can't hire you. We got to stick with our policies. We can't hire you because you don't, you're so ignorant. I could solve that problem today. Couldn't you solve, this is so easy. And you know, you mentioned the money and the wars and you're right. And I was going to lead with this and I forgot to ask you. How much money are they going to spend on this presidential election, Tanner? Do you know Hello. how much money is available? It'll be yeah. billions. I yeah. mean, between the outside money groups that are going to come in, the money Super that pack. each candidate will fundraise, it will be billions of dollars, just like it is every single time. Can't the baby be alive? Can't the baby Can you be alive? Can spare a few 
few coins for the baby. Just a callous indifference. It's a callous indifference. It's that part. Sometimes things happen sometimes, but mm. this didn't have to happen. How can we even get to the things happen sometimes? Yeah. I'm just disgusted. And and why I'm does gonna... she have to qualify herself, Sharon? I know uh-huh. we got to go on, but that part that that hurt my heart. Like she got to qualify that herself part. to say, "I haven't been on drugs." I haven't. Look, sometimes mm-hmm. the bottom falls out for people, yes. and then oh. it becomes a domino, mm-hmm. and then they can't get out. It's a spiraling impact. Mm-hmm. But she has to qualify herself. Mm-hmm. Just to prove that her and her family is worthy of housing. This is BS. Yeah. Wonder what her transcript looked like. She didn't mm. have a daddy who gave her a million dollars, who sent her off to some military school. This time, a new mom is killed by a stray bullet on her first night out. First night. Teen mom, Janiah Green, killed by a stray bullet at a Georgia house party just a month after her 18th birthday. On her first night out since giving birth, Green was found dead in the back patio of a house in Grayson after police cleared the party while investigating reports of a shooting at 1 a.m. Friday. This is according to WANF, the date, December 29, 2023. She had a bullet wound in the back of the head. Gwinnett County Police said no suspects have been identified and arrested yet in connection with the fatal shooting officials. And Green's family said, New York Post with the details. Shania just turned 18 and had been devoted to lovingly taking care of her seven month old son. Her aunt Sadie Long wrote in an online fundraiser. As any new mother, Shania was excited to finally get to go out and hang out for a little. She said of the teen mom's first night out. Long continued, quote, While enjoying a night out at a house party, multiple shots were fired from outside of the house, hitting Shania from inside of the house and taking her life. This is her ANF in Atlanta. Neighbors heard gunfire erupt around 1 a.m. One neighbor provided the news outlet with cell phone video showing dozens of young people running out of the house. They said, quote, when I looked out the window, I saw a bunch of kids trying to get into their cars and leave the subdivision. The homeowner's son hosted the party while the parent was out of town, according to a relative of that homeowner. Long wrote on GoFundMe, quote, Shania was a wonderful daughter, mother, sister, granddaughter, and niece who touched the lives of everyone around her. She was known for her beautiful, infectious smile and her laughter. Look at the smile. Oh, gosh. Long added she was just figuring out who she was as a young lady and a new mother, navigating life with grace, compassion, kindness. Her glowing personality and respectful manner has left so many people hurting and mourning for such an amazing soul. As of this morning, the GoFundMe raised over 12,000 for the family's funeral expenses. Wow. So a child without their mother, Senator, and I just want to caution people that I am, okay now. I I feel like, and maybe it's just, I don't usually have voices running, but there's a narrative in my head, a protective defensive one that's saying, don't you dare. What was she doing now? She just had a baby. You better not. I just told you who she was from people who knew her, great mother. Loving, kind, charming, graceful, respectful. She had a right to go and have some me time. 
Her child was well cared for. I didn't read anything about the child not being well cared for. Her family loved her. Senator. So glad you put that out there, Sharon. So just tragic in every single way. A young 18-year-old woman is now dead and her baby won't have her. And whoever shot her, that that's the person at fault. Not her going out to have fun. Whoever shot her is at fault. And I hope they catch this person. I do too. And I'm praying for a family and we'll, yes. we'll check in and keep it updated when there's a development. And hopefully that GoFundMe, I hope it grows. I do too. I mean, I think Rittenhauer, Rittenhouse, that dude, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they raise more money. See, they raise money for people like that. Mm-hmm. And this family sitting up here barely got $12,000. I mean, make this make sense for me, Sharon. I, I wasn't going to yeah. go there, but I just had to. It was. Okay. It, that narrative was in, in my head just now yeah. when you said the amount. I mean, not that people for don't some owe. Things. I mean, they don't owe the family anything in terms. People are giving out of the goodness of their heart. But I was just juxtapositioning that twelve thousand that you just mentioned yeah. to the hundreds of thousands that was raised raised for that dude. I think America owes the family. Ultra wealthy sitting on. And this speaks to the heart of the matter, 8.5 trillion, trillion in untaxed profits. The ultra wealthy, this is a heck of an exclusive club. And there you see them. HuffPost with the details, America's worth more than 100 million. Sat on a whopping 8.5 trillion in untaxed profits in 2022. A report released Wednesday found money. That may never be taxed unless Congress closes a loophole shielding the investments of the ultra rich. Are you betting on Congress to close the loophole? I don't gamble, but I, that's a bet that I'll say they're not going to do it. But these centimillionaires, billionaires, made up just 0.05% of all American households in 2022. According to Federal Reserve data analyzed by the progressive nonprofit Americans for Tax Fairness, but they held one sixth of so called unrealized capital gains in the country. HuffPost, thank you. Unrealized gains are the primary source of income for many elite families. Under current law, growth in the value of assets like stocks, bonds, investments, real estate, or businesses is not taxable until they are realized or sold. Here's the thing, they never get sold. That's the racket, right? It's a racket. The ultra wealthy can nonetheless live off these gains by taking out low interest loans. I'm trying to tell you, against their exorbitant wealth. And when their fortunes become inheritances, the gains are no longer taxable. Aha, we got you. David Cass, the executive director of Americans for Tax Fairness, stated, quote, the super rich truly live in a strange and privileged world. While most households depend on paychecks, income that is taxed all year, every year, Cass noted these untaxed gains make up the largest single source of income for the ultra wealthy. The scandal of tax-free billionaires, Cass added, also results in billions of dollars less in tax revenue that could fund health care. Housing and other public programs led by President Joe Biden, left to right. Let's see it. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat, Morgan. Representative Steve Cohen, Democrat, Tennessee. Don Bayer, Democrat, Virginia. 
have introduced a billionaire's income tax in both chambers of Congress. The tax would apply only to unrealized gains held by ultra wealthy households, could generate an estimated 500 billion in new revenue over a decade. Good luck, gentlemen. You'll need it. Biden has also promised ending the loophole known as the stepped up basis that erases capital gains for tax purposes when wealthy individuals pass on their fortunes as inheritance. Both plans have virtually, well, let's see how many are supporting it. Both plans, it says here, have virtually no support among Republicans. Without congressional action, the untouchable wealth of the super rich is likely to only grow since 1989 when the Federal Reserve began collecting this data, households worth. More than 100 million have nearly tripled their share of the country's unrealized gains. The disparity in law and how the incomes of the super rich are taxed also deepens racial divides. Of the 8.5 trillion in untaxed wealth belonging to centimillionaires or billionaires, 7.6 trillion, about 90% is held back, is held by, let's get that correctly, is held by white households. That figure is six times the total wealth of all black households in the country. It's five times the total wealth of all Hispanic households. You want to know why you don't have anything? I just read it to you. I just gave you the details. Senator Turner. The white collar hustle in this country, Sherry Reed, is real. The white collar hustle. They beyond white collar, the platinum collar hustle, the titanium collar hustle. The billionaire hustle in this country is real. And I want our viewers, Sharon Reed, to understand this. If they don't take nothing else away, this is a public policy decision. And you know what? The president proposing, instead of using the soapbox that he has as the president of the United States of America to wield this stuff, to, to, to push on this stuff, to make it change, I ain't moved by it. In the first two years of his presidency, he controlled both chambers of Congress. You know, all they're going to do is propose. They ain't going to make none of this pop off. Why? Because this same billionaire lobby have bought politicians. America, it is legal to bribe politicians in the United States of America. This is the loophole is a policy choice, ladies and gentlemen, family and friends. It Mm -hmm. is a policy choice. Poverty is a policy choice and allowing the ultra, ultra, ultra wealthy who will not even be able to spend that money in in 25,000 lifetimes is a policy choice. And so we can make different choices. Point blank. Period, exclamation point, message in a bottle, mm-hmm. underline it, bold it. It is a policy choice. And these politicians talk. Now, kudos to the to the to the electeds who decided to introduce some legislation. Mm-hmm. But that's all that's gonna happen. Because people like President Joe Biden and others, instead of traveling, got got vice president traveling the country trying to corral black people to vote for mm-hmm. an administration that ain't mm-hmm. done really nothing for them. How about we get up here and corral people and get them all riled up, working class people of all backgrounds about these billionaires in this country? How about that? How about that? Now okay. run tell that. How'd she do it? Run um, tell it. Let me tell you something. And I may be too cynical, Senator, and you correct me because again, you you know this thing inside out. But I feel like President Biden. Again, I don't. This is just me, a lay person, saying what I feel. Rang on whatever that phone is that gets through to people on the first try, and on the other line, it was probably a party line. You had Wyden, Cohen. And buyer, he said, I need something here. I need an issue. You know, it's not, it's a no prayer. And I'm not saying you don't introduce stuff that has no prayer. You sometimes you do it because it's the right thing to do. That's but right. the timing, the 
what are you doing here so that I can go out and I can, we're election year and I'm on the campaign trail and I'm saying, you get a car and you, and I'm gonna fight for every single American. I don't care if you're black, white, gay, straight. That's just what I came up with in my head. Maybe I'm just a creative person and it's my own little, you know, I will get these voices under control. Uh, but button it up for me, Senator, because I'm all over the place. I'm just so no, sick of it. Sharon. You know what it is. You know what they playing in our face. Playing in our face. I love it. <laughs> I don't allow people to do that to me, to be honest with you. I just, I dip. That's when I dip. I don't got time for this. Okay. Senator, always a pleasure. Uh, boy, you got me thinking. And I can't wait till I see you again. I am not a me stalker. Thinking. We are the dynamic duo. We really are. We need a dynamic duo. They need to go on and we need a show together. I feel it's possible when I see you. We do. I feel it's possible when I see you and I spend time with you. Remind people about what you're up to because you're going to stay very visible. Well, I'm trying. We Are Somebody is an organization that I started. Please go to wearesomebody.org. It is a capacity building organization for working class people, baby. We're going to continue to shake this thing up. And when I say working class, I mean unionized and non-unionized workers. As I often say, if you ain't got a sugar daddy, a sugar mama, a sugar somebody, you are among the working class. And Mm -hmm. we have got to unite and keep the momentum going to bring up the wages of working class people in this country and to push policymakers to do a new and a different thing. So join us. We are somebody.org. And I agree with the loyal TYT member who said, you know, the skin is flawless. I think truth looks good. I Back trust you. you. And Back I think you. truth looks good, Senator. You keep telling the truth. It's just, you know, probably don't even put products on there. It looks you? good on you <laughs> too. And gorgeous. I agree with that, with the viewer who, who said they love your facial expressions. Even when I'm not on it. with you and I watch you, oh, I'm, I'm like her. I am on the floor. <laughs> oh okay? my goodness. I have you just not smooth. a TikTok. You well, smooth as silk. It's just who I am. And I, so I shouldn't work on changing it because I don't really try to work on it. <laughs> no, I just don't get change. So, it's That's why we love you. I love you back. <laughs> this is indisputable. Thank you, Senator Turner. Dr. Rashad Ritchie, thank you so much for allowing me to sit in the chair. And I hope you'll stay with us, our loyal TYT members. Thank you so much, indisputable. Catch you the next time.